Hello and welcome to episode 345 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is February 20th, 2023. I'm Rollo McFlugel and with me is my co-host Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash 345. So Slappy, we'll try this again. We had to uh, we had to hit, pull the ejector yeah. uh, on the last attempt because... That was a good episode too. It's a shame. Yeah, all minute and 40 seconds of it. Yep, never getting that back. So, should I ask the same question I asked you? Yeah, why not? <laughs> How was your Valentine's Day? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, Got to remember, I know I went to work in the morning. Um, uh, the kids went to school. Uh, Mrs. Jones picked up the kids from school. I think we had spaghetti and meatballs for dinner and uh called call it a night early there you go yeah what'd you do uh, i had a nice quiet evening with grum yeah i also went to work during the day nice nice well happy valentine's day thank you thank you you know did you ever get thanked for um you know we've been off twitter now for about a month or so more than a month yeah but the price of bitcoin when we were on twitter was like sixteen thousand, and now it's like 25 or something oh i never even put two and two together yeah well coral and you know i mean correlation equals causation is what they say yes and so uh you know everyone can thank us for leaving twitter temporarily yeah i I like that we are So what 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 we should do is that every time our paycheck is coming, we should just post on Twitter. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then Get it the gets deposited, down. and then and we'll go. We'll again. leave Twitter for a while. Yeah, two days before paycheck day, we start getting back on Twitter, start responding to stuff, and then uh, and then leave. Yeah, we should uh, you know sell like master classes for people on how to. How to trade. Yeah. And it's just like, I will just tell you when I'm going to tweet. Yes. We'll, we'll give you, you can be in our secret uh, paid group and we'll tell you when we're going to tweet. Yes. By tweet. We'll, we'll tweet saying, we're, I'm about going to tweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So it's good that I'm thanked for something related to Bitcoin because I still haven't gotten that uh, spreadsheet out. Yeah. for taxes well, and stuff. You know, you're busy making the price go up. Yeah, that's true. So I have I have good reason to Yeah. to have del- delays on that. Um I don't know, have you uh, what are the flyers been doing? I have no idea. Okay, neither do I. I don't follow the Sixers. I haven't and... seen the Sixers. Someone told me someone on the Sixers won the dunk contest. Never nice. heard of the guy. I guess he's a he's a G League player or something. Hmm. Didn't see it. Don't know what his dunk was. Didn't even know it was All-Star Game weekend. Yeah. Uh, a week or two ago, I went to a Flyers game. They played the Oilers and beat them. Yeah? That was good, yeah. Yeah, nice. I went to one game this year. Someone gets smoked by Pittsburgh. Nice. Not nice. No. Nah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we're not going to have a Bitcoin topic today. We're actually going to talk, and we're way late on this, and it might even be out of the news cycles already. <laughs> Could be. 
But we don't know because we don't follow. <laughs> we follow the news and Twitter even less now than we did before. But yeah, but at least I kind of had an idea what was going on in the world. Yeah. Turns out the world still spins, even if I don't know what's going on. So that's kind of interesting. Well, you know, what's real great about not following any of it is that like when we were and we were aware of stuff, we would get mad and frustrated about it, but there was nothing we could do about it. Nothing changed. Now, there's still nothing we can do about it. We just but don't we're not getting it. mad about it. We're just yeah. not even acknowledging that it's happening and our lives are still moving forward and we're doing our thing. And Which I guess could come back to home. Now, I think we'd, we'd hear if it was so serious that it was going to cause like, like if there was like bombs coming in, I think we'd sure. hear about it. It would be, yeah. That, but that's that's kind of the point is that if there was something that was going to affect us, we'd have everyone yeah. freaking out about it yeah. in a much different way than they're freaking out about whatever issue they're told to freak out about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm reasonably confident that like my coworker, if 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 it was in the news that you know China was sending bombers to drop bombs on us. And it was starting to happen that like I I'd figure it out that that thing was kind of going on. It's like before before mass media and everything, before the internet, before cable network TV, and even before like radio was even a thing. Like people found out big events that were going on. Eventually, if it was affecting them, if it didn't really affect them, then maybe they didn't really hear about it, and yeah. that's fine. And that would be nice. But um, I wanted to talk about this uh, East Palestine uh, uh, vinyl chloride. East. What's that? You're talking about no. the Middle East today. Yeah. This uh, train derailment, because even though, you know, I'm still in, you know, looking some telegram groups and everything and listen to some podcasts. And, uh, yeah, this has been the rage among, among a lot of people, um, in our libertarian and Bitcoin circles. And, and there's been, I'm sure everyone knows about kind of generally what's going on with this. Like I said, it might even be out of people's kind of like what they're thinking about right now. We landed on the moon. It happened like a week. Uh, when did that happen? February 3rd. Oh, wow. So, oh, <laughs> two and a half weeks ago. Um, but, but it was, you know, it caught a lot of people's attentions in, in our circle. And I saw a lot of just horrible takes on it. Um, and so I wanted to use this as an opportunity to just. To rip people. Yes. No, but just to kind of help people how to think through a lot of this stuff because, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, especially not on the podcast, Slappy, but I work in the petrochemical industry. Do you really? Yes. Oh, and so okay. like- So you, yeah. All right. So that kind of makes you like almost like all knowing, not quite, but almost. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Like like one step under God. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I didn't know. I That's Okay. Cool. But 
you know, it's it's one of those things. It's how do you say I have no idea what I'm talking about without saying I have no idea what I'm talking about is how I'm reading a lot of these takes and, and how people are responding. So it's like not that I'm an expert on polyvinyl chloride and and trains and everything, but I I know enough about yeah, I am an engineer. <laughs> so I do know some about trains apparently. But like my understand like I work with hazardous materials a lot. And that's yes. In a previous job, I was on the emergency response team. So I did get training on a on a lot of response type things, including for hazardous materials. I had to go through some you know, trainings for that and, and everything. So like, I have a rough idea, a general idea of a lot of stuff. Um, just, just kind of associated with what goes on in, in a situation like this. And, um, it's just, when you see some of these reactions that people have, it just becomes so obvious that they just are utterly clueless and and just are kind of like running their mouths on stuff and freaking out because it fits whatever agenda they want to have that oh this is the government poisoning us and it's this conspiracy theory that um this is a this is an attack by the government on the people to try to kill a bunch of people um and it's like i'm not putting it past the government that yeah, they would never do anything like they but the government, see people like to make the government is this like evil smart thing i think it's more incompetence and opportunistic yeah like i mean there's some there's some smart people and there's some scan like like people who know the system and know how to paint things a certain way but like you know maybe with the all the fbi whistleblower stuff i've been following because uh you know, been following a lot of that. The FBI is so inco- like the the idea that they're like masterminding things. It's all incompetence. It's like people who have nothing better to do. Yeah, um, and I think that's kind of the same with the rest of the government. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of points I want to cover on this. And and well, first thing I want to say is that uh, Timeline Earth covered this last week, and I actually thought they did a pretty good job. Because they were like, this is weird. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense, but they weren't saying it doesn't make sense. So therefore, blah, blah, blah. I mean, part of their shtick is to, you know, make it interesting. So, you know, like I said, I thought they did a good job covering it. And and also they, they kind of, uh, especially like pause was saying like, all right, well, this is my understanding of how like an emergency response goes down that like the fire chief would be the, um, uh, what's it called? Why am I blanking on this? I should, uh, um, oh man, whatever the, the, the kind of the, the head of the, of the response team. Um, I'm blanking on the term for it. But I think everyone who listens to this show listens to that show anyway, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, but they, I thought they did a good job of of like being reasonable about what was going on and and not leaning out too far over their skis about stuff they didn't really understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. While acknowledging that this, hey, 
you know, this and this and this don't make sense. Um, and that's fine. Like there's a lot of stuff that we can look at and not be able to make sense of it. Um, but that doesn't mean because it doesn't make sense to, you know, Joe Blow, it doesn't mean that therefore it's this government conspiracy or something. It's kind of like back in the day with the nine 11 stuff. And I'm not saying that the government definitely didn't have a hand in nine 11. I don't know. I, I'm just like, that's not, never something that I really dug that deep into, but I remember I've a few arguments I've had with people over it. They would say stuff like, well, can you explain blah, blah, blah that happened? And this and this and this. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. And I'm like, I can't explain it, but that doesn't mean that like, <laughs> it's like remember, some nefarious thing. Like, can you explain it? No. Do you remember the loose change thing that was going around yes. on YouTube? So there was someone like, someone put up a pretty good rebuttal to it. And so mm-hmm. they came out with loose change too, where it's like, they, it's like, all right, well, now you just lost all credibility because you're not looking at the evidence. You're trying to fit a narrative. Yeah. I well, mean, it, it was like, like, I'm saying, I agree with you too. I'm not saying the government had nothing at all or had no prior knowledge or didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know what the truth is, but the things they were bringing up were stupid points and they got called out for it. And so they just changed their points and they're like, yeah, but this, this, and this. And it's, yeah. If you're going to make a claim, you have to back it up with evidence, not just because I, I've seen a lot of me and I want to talk about more about nine 11 briefly. Um, but like a lot of like me, like I, I saw a couple things where it was just this like wall of text and a picture of the rail accident. And it just like made these claims about like, Oh, they blew it up. And that's not how you're supposed to deal with the situation like this. And it's like, based on what? Like, and this is why I think like half these times where it's this, these, uh, all these ideas that it's a government conspiracy is coming from the government. Like Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. Um, and yeah, opportunistic. They take yeah and, and they want to discredit the right wing people, the people that don't trust the government. And so whenever anything happens, I mean, if I were the government, and I was trying to fight this information war against, you know, all these people that don't like me. Every time any event that happened anywhere in the country, I would start creating disinformation about it. And I would put together some memes Band saying country. that like, oh, blah, 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 and, and just sending it out and knowing that all the right wing NPCs are going to just share it without thinking because it fits their narrative. Uh, But real quick about like, and part of this is like, you have to be careful. If you're trying to spread a message, if you're trying to convince people not to trust the state and that the state does bad things, like you can't be sloppy because not everyone, not every statist out there is an idiot. There are plenty of intelligent, well-meaning people that because they haven't been nerds like us and read Rothbar and, and Ludwig von Mises and, and everything else and gotten into Austrian economics and, and the rabbit holes that we have, have put in the time to think about, you know, the ethics of libertarian libertarianism and the consequences of, of government and action and everything. And so when you're sloppy and you say something like jet fuel can't melt, like, oh, the, the, the buildings collapsed. 
uh, the World Trade Center collapse? Well, how can they collapse when jet fuel can't melt steel beams? And someone's like, well, it didn't need to melt in order for the buildings to collapse. Oh, well, they in the rubble, they found molten steel. And so it's like, well, now you're changing what your argument is. (laughs) Like you were saying that the building couldn't go down because the steel didn't melt. And then you're saying that like, oh, well, no, they found melted. So it means that there was, and there was evidence that there was residue from this explosive material. What is it? Like a reasonably intelligent person is going to be able to sniff that out and be like, all right, you're just kind of, you have a conclusion and you're just going to chew on the puzzle pieces to make it fit. So you have to be careful not to do that. Like if you have evidence that this, train derailment was a work of a domestic terrorist attack perpetrated by our own government, like present the evidence. Don't just say, well, there's an incentive for him to do it. Okay. (laughs) Which is nice. And, you know, but it doesn't prove anything. Right. And, and someone might say, oh, well, this is rich for you guys saying this because you were all over the state for all the COVID stuff and you didn't believe a word they were saying and we're claiming it. But the difference is that like we had reasons. <laughs> I mean, you can go back to our tweets or podcast episodes even early on yeah. that, you know, we were saying that we don't believe this and we spent a lot of time explaining all of, all of the details of the reasons of why we weren't buying this. So it wasn't just like, oh, we don't like the government, therefore we don't believe what they're saying about COVID. Yeah. Um, and not that, you know. Well, that's my always my starting point. Yeah, it's a good heuristic to have. Yeah. I don't believe the government. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, any event that, ha- like the government's not just going to always have an incentive to lie about every single thing that happens. Like if... But even if they do, it, no. Well, it'd be like if like you... In, the incentive doesn't mean anything. It's just an incentive. If you got your house robbed and then, you know, the police, you know, have a report that says there was a robbery of, and, and it's referring to you, are you going to be like, well, I don't believe anything the government says, so I didn't get robbed? <laughs> like... They're going to like, they're going to do certain things that like, they just, they have certain functions that they do that are like normal things like responding to emergencies and uh, accidents and disasters. It's not saying that I agree that they should be the monopoly on it or that they should be doing it and, and not allowing the market to do, it, but like they just perform certain functions. Um, and so like. I don't know what to, to tell you. Yeah, um, and and I don't know like how many cops you know, but I, I don't think that, you know they unwittingly do the bidding of the government, but they're not going to. Uh, you know, I think most cops generally are out there like doing their job. Sure, which isn't um, that, that's not supposed to be like a huge compliment. It's just like their job is to get criminals and that's what they feel they're doing. Yeah. They're not putting much thought into anything. Um, a- a- another example I want to give before 
you know, I, I go a little bit further into this uh, derailment is that uh, this was years ago and maybe I'll dig up the article, but there was uh, Anthony Antonello, I think it was. There's He was a libertarian back in the day that had a, had a website and a blog and like a, like a YouTube show or something. And he brought on this whistleblower for like a, a, a water company somewhere or something. Uh, yeah, I remember this. And there's this, this guy probably, He's I guess in his early twenties. Right. What's that? Weren't they like pouring a whole bag full of fluoride into the water? Yes. He was blowing the whistle on fluoridating the water. Which we all know the government does. Happening. <laughs> and like I think it's a I don't agree with fluoridating the water supply. Um one because like it's so a friend of mine went to dental school and his thesis paper that he wrote was about fluoride in the water supply. And his conclusion was they shouldn't do it. Because if you just have a, a reasonably good diet, um, you get enough fluoride. So it's just like, at best, it's a pointless program. And also, I just don't like the idea of someone just like adding a bunch of chemicals into yeah. the water supply. Like, it's just, Weird. all right, I don't really know what fluoride's going to do to you, but if it's not helping... Then, like, think, and there's evidence and there is certainly evidence that it could hurt you then like well, let's not do it but but all that point aside they had like this dude took a video of him loading the fluoride into the water and you know Antonello was like oh man you're wearing you have to wear a hazmat suit for this and I'm watching this and I'm like alright so he's got this like 20 pound bag of powdered fluoride that he dumps into the uh didn't it say toxic on it yeah it had a skull and crossbones or something on it It said toxic and everything like oh yeah see it's poison and it's like it is a 20 pound bag of fluoride yeah (laughs) if if you take a spoonful of that of course it's bad for you (laughs) when you dump it into the reservoir (laughs) and it's powdered it's dust of course so the hazmat suit they were describing was like an apron gloves uh goggles and uh i think it might have been a half face respirator and it was like all right well yeah don't get the stuff on your hand like just wearing gloves is just normal when you're working in any sort of industrial kind of thing the apron makes sense because if you spill it you know, you spill it on your apron and not your clothes. Makes cleaning up, cleaning yourself up a little bit easier. And then the goggles, so it's dust. You don't want to get it into your eyes. It could be an irritant or could absorb. And then the, the, the respirator is, it's dust. And it's dust of a chemical, a lot of a chemical that you're not supposed to get a lot of at once. So it's making sure that this guy doesn't, fall down into it and accidentally eat a mouthful of it or breathe it all in. And so, yeah, like at, at levels, taking a spoonful of that probably would kill you much like in the same way that like, if he had a 20 pound bag of salt and ate it, it would kill him too because the dosage is what matters. So just because 
high amounts of you know e- you know taking something in a high amount will hurt you or kill you yeah. enough Just, enough dihydrogen monoxide will kill you right yeah enough water will kill you yeah. there's a certain amount of water if you drink it you'll die that's right um and it po- it's it's not it's like the water poisons you yeah um it's kind of like you know we have a certain amount of iron we should eat but it doesn't mean that you should go take spoonfuls of iron shavings like that would probably be really bad for you. You need small amounts of iron. It's healthy for you. And like. So I'm guessing this whistleblower didn't get too far. And it's probably because the government wanted to shut him up. Yeah. And I remember watching this thing and I wrote an article about being like, this is utterly stupid. Like, this is embarrassing. And anyone that like who has half a brain about anything is going to say, like, look at these idiot libertarians like don't understand the first thing about anything. And so that's why it's like it, 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 whenever there's something that's like in my wheelhouse a little bit, especially like industrial stuff and people are like running their mouths on it and they just instantly demonstrate that they have absolutely no understanding of anything. Um, it's frustrating because it's, it's like, come on guys. Like, you know, we're criticizing the, you know, all, all the statists and the government and the media and everything for just being really sloppy and not understanding things and just, you know, running through life, just accepting things and believing whatever they're told. And like, man, as libertarians, or in this case, there's a lot of Bitcoiners doing it too. Are we doing any better? <laughs> You know, or are we just uh, whatever fits our um, the narrative that we want to have um, that we're just going to go with that? What's that called? What, there's a term for that. Why am I blanking? I'm blanking on too many things. Um, Your confirmation bias. Yes, thing. yes. Just allowing a confirmation bias to just kind of run everything. So, I just want to do kind of a cold eye review. And I just have the Wikipedia page up. People are, oh, Wikipedia is bad source for it. I'm like, maybe it is, but I mean, where do you want me to find <laughs> information on this? Do you remember, like, in college? At least when I was in college, we weren't allowed to use Wikipedia, and then yep. it became like the source. Yep, and then and then you started figuring out. And it's just like, oh, I just go to Wikipedia, get all the information, then just click the citations. Yep. To use that. So, okay. So, there was a train derailment. Uh, Norfolk and Norfolk Southern train. Um, it had 140... Sorry. I'll bet you they had ties to the Rockefellers. And the Vanderbilts. Yep. So, this train had 141 loaded cars and nine empty cars. Or one more car. So it was about 150 cars. Of those 20 cars, 20 were carrying hazardous materials, uh, including vinyl chloride, butyl acrylate, ethyl hexyl acrylate, ethylene glycol, monobutyl ethyl, isobutylene, combustible liquids, and benzene residue. Um. So 
So when I heard everyone talk about this, you know, I originally, I would have thought it was a train just full, like every single car was vinyl chloride. Uh, according to Wikipedia, though, there were one, two, three, four, five of the derail cars, derailed cars contain vinyl chloride. Well, enough um, to kill the fish in the river. Yeah, that's a lot. And, and, and one thing I also want to say, too, in case it's not clear, I'm not trying to downplay that this was like a bad event. This, this you know. Hazardous materials, hazardous chemicals, flammable materials. I like, mean, I don't know what's real. Like, I believe nothing that I see on the internet until, like, I don't know what my threshold is. But they were showing those rivers. They're like, all the fish dead. And, like, you can see the chemicals in the river. So, oh, yeah. A lot of stuff spilled out. Definitely. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. You would have thought it was like, a, you know, 150 cars of uh bombs yeah and and the other thing is so it, it wasn't just like a vinyl chloride train this was a 150 car a train, train. Yeah. and some of them had hazardous materials as is what happens i mean okay, you don't like probably almost every train you see yes they're not just it's it's they're carrying a bunch of car it's it's like If you got to transport goods across the country via rail, you're not, you're not, a train is not going from San Francisco to Boston and it's all like all the cars on San Francisco are all going to Boston. Yeah. There's going to be stops. They're going to add things. They're going to take things off. Right. Yeah. Maybe there's some trains that are, it's, it's direct like that, but for the most part, I mean, yeah, it's moving around, changing lines, changing cars and everything, (laughs) getting, getting things to where they eventually got to be. And yes, uh, the other goofy thing was that people were being like, I can't believe they're transporting. What are they transporting vinyl chloride around for That's So, and then, you know, these people are the ones that they go and, and Google vinyl chloride real quick and they go to the uh, the part where it's like, how, how bad is this for you? And it's like, it's listed as a carcinogen, which is many things are listed as carcinogens. And they're acting like that. <laughs> I don't understand how these people think that stuff gets made or that like the purpose of, yes, there's a lot of nasty stuff out there that goes into manufacturing yeah. and it gets produced yeah, one place. I- and use another place. So it's got to get moved around. Yeah. And I don't want to like take this in another direction or anything, but what is like, I don't even know what this stuff is. Like, so you know, do you know what it's used for? Yes, I do. Does it have to do with your industry? No. Mm. Um, but I actually almost did work at a place that used this. Mm. Um, it's, I believe that this is like the, uh, precursor for polyvinyl chloride or i don't know how how vinyl chloride and polyvinyl chloride relate to each other but is that multiple vinyls uh does that remind you of anything what polyvinyl chloride Uh, i think a polythene pan yeah not a bad idea um you should see her (laughs) she's good looking but she looks like a man yeah she does 
no, like it's it's PVC. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, that makes so sense. vinyl chloride Probably is what you use to make PVC. Is that, is that what PVC stands for? Yeah. Polyvinyl chloride. I didn't yep. know that. Um. So like for all the people freaking out, be like, they have this nasty chemical. It's like, well. <laughs> Do you use PVC? Do you like? Do you not want PVC to you exist? Have, your pipes have polyvinyl chloride. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, how many? Your mine do. All my water pipes are are PVC. Yeah, your plumber's installing it into your house. Right. You have vinyl chloride that is carrying your water that you're drinking, and so you have all these, you know, like armchair chemists that are freaking out and telling you all the hazards associated with vinyl chloride and everything. And obviously it's in a different state than it was in PVC, Ohio, consumer right? PVC that you're buying with your pipes and everything. But still like if you like, it's, it's, it's just goofy to me that people like find out that they're moving hazardous chemicals around and then they're clutching pearls over the idea that how, you know, why would this be on a tra- on a, on a train? where where do you want to put it you want to put it in your passenger seat right like how else is it going to get moved around um you know like uh, the the i mean i can't tell you all the stuff that's in a in an oil refinery that could get you but i mean like there's certain like h2s is a big thing in refining it it comes it's in a lot of crudes and it's used for um part of your processing of your your refining process is hydrogen sulfide or H2S and um, it will kill you. Like there's probably stuff in your car that could blow up. Yeah. We have like, when you go out into the refinery, you have to have an H2S meter on you. And when it hits the uh, gasoline, what's that? What would happen if you drank gasoline? Should try it. No, I mean, you're getting carbon monoxide out of your, out of any internal combustion engine, which will kill you if you have it in the right con, you know, concentrations and, and, and for a long enough time. Um, but like to say, like we have to wear H2, like that, this is like one of the biggest safety things we have. And we track every time that an H2S meter goes off, um, but it, it chirps and it and this thing like just starts flashing red lights and starts audibly screeching and buzzing, um, because it's a really hazardous material and it will kill you if you're exposed to it long enough. So, and and it's all over the refinery in the pipes and everything. So, um, uh, another a previous company I work for, one of our raw materials that we use was just chlorine and it, yeah that that stuff will kill you too swim in it though yeah um and then all sorts of other other really nasty chemicals too and then one of the products we made was a enormously nasty chemical that went into it was an intermediate chemical that went into a bunch of consumer products that everyone uses all the time so you know we have to stop clutching our pearls over the idea that there are nasty chemicals out there and that they're used in that they're transported because I mean, that's, that's modern life. And if you want to argue that, well, maybe we shouldn't be using this stuff. 
okay, but that's a different argument than saying, I don't understand how they would be have a train of vinyl chloride going around. Okay. And maybe I'm, I'm exaggerating what some people were saying on that, but th- that's kind of the vibe I was getting among people. It was that kind of pearl clutching. Yeah. It was weird. Okay, so on the Wikipedia page, I'm at the emergency response and burn-off section. Another thing, so before I get into that, because I, I mentioned earlier in the episode that I've been involved in Right, I I was on an emergency response team. I have some training on hazardous material response and recognition and everything. So I, I don't know if you've ever noticed on train cars or trucks or whatever, or any sort of transportation thing or tanks that you see, that there's usually like signs and symbols on it. Um, you know, like the, uh, the triangle you yeah. see. Or it's got the blue, the white, and the red, and the yellow triangle with the numbers on it. Mm-hmm. Like, believe it or not, all those numbers mean something. It gives you like your, you know, the the, the environmental impact, your flammability, the corrosiveness of it, and stuff. Um, additionally, too, for transportation stuff, all of this stuff, like every single material that's out there that you're ever going to transport has a number associated with it. And when it's a hazardous material, I think it, I believe when it's considered a hazardous material, if it's like on a truck or uh, a train car, it's on a red rectangle with white lettering. And it's like a four digit number. And so what this is, in case there's ever an incident and you get your, your emergency response, people come up, whether it's the police or your fire department or someone else, and they're approaching the scene, they don't want to have to like, and and maybe the driver's incapacitated or gone or something and they can't like, hey, what's on your thing? Or they can't go and get the, the, the paperwork in the truck or something to say like, what's in this? What material is this? It's, you have placards that are, that you can read from different places from far away that it's this four digit code that you're able to identify the material in there. And they have these published standardized books that you can look up that number and it tells you what it is. And then you can look at the basic, you know, the hazards associated with it and that kind of like class of material that it is. And based on that class of material, in this case, vinyl chloride is considered uh, a flammable gas that there is another code that you go and look up and say like, oh, it's, I think actually for flammable gas, because I was looking this up. I after listening to the uh, Timeline Earth episode, I I I should have taken the book home, but I have one of these these books with all the um, materials and and the hazard response to it. I think vinyl chloride was like ten eighty six, and then I think the response code was like one twenty seven G or something, or maybe one twenty nine G. And so it tells you, like, for this class of material, for a flammable gas, how do you deal with a deal with a, a spill um, or an issue with it? And so this is all, like, very standardized stuff. Um, not saying that they necessarily did it, you know. It, it just because there's a, there's a procedure for things doesn't mean that in any given situation someone's going to follow it. But, like, 
there's a lot of, this is like well-rehearsed protocols that anyone that's going to respond to this, um, to a situation like this is going to be versed in this um, pretty well, including your fire department. Um, again, it doesn't mean that they're going to execute it correctly and everything, but um, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to explain that side of it too, because if anyone's out there thinking that just like, they're just kind of like people are running up to the scene and just kind of like shooting from the hip and making decisions. It's probably not what's going on. Um, you know, the, uh, again, I'm not trying to say I support the government doing anything, but like fire departments and, and kind of hazmat teams. If you're going to pick like government, uh, government agencies that actually have some competency and, and kind of do training. Like you, you know, yeah. You gotta know something. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to come in and, and more likely than not execute correctly. Um, so, all right, emergency response and burnoff. Nearly 70 emergency agencies from Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania mobilized in response. Uh, East Palestine Mayor Trent Conaway declared a state of emergency. Um, uh, Norfolk Southern personnel were first to respond on February 3rd. On February 4th, they noticed water spillage into Sulphur Run and Leslie Run, installed booms and underflow dams to separate the flooding pollutant, floating pollutant. Uh, the EPA began monitoring air quality. Humans can spell blah, 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 blah. On February 5th, due to a temperature change in one of the train cars, fear of an explosion with the potential of dispersing shrapnel rose as the fires continued to burn. So apparently this was like already on, like Wait, how the accident happened and there was a fire. Like there's flammable materials in here. Like it's not out of the question that you have some of these things. Also, there's like a lot of heat, obviously, and a lot of goofy stuff going on when you have a train derailment. Uh, apparently, one of the trucks uh, had a, had a malfunction and was mm. sparking for a while, so the truck might have caught on fire first. The truck being the kind of the wheel housing of of the train car. Um. So although five cars containing vinyl chloride remained intact following the crash, the relief valve on one of the cars had malfunctioned. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine activated the Ohio National Guard to assist local authorities when he called a matter of life and death. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro ordered an evacuation of areas of Beaver County, which bordered the site. Officials in both states went door to door to evacuate residents. The fire from uh, the accident burned until February 5th. On February 6th, DeWine and Shapiro ordered the mandatory evacuation of all residents within a one-by-two-mile area, um, which, according to what I was reading in the book, like, depending on the prevailing winds, it was like, I think it was a mile or two for a large spill of a material like vinyl chloride. That's what you, ev- you evacuate that. Um, they, have, they have protocols for for kind of the area of people that you need to get out. 
All right. Uh, in an effort to prevent further explosions, Norfolk Southern emergency crews conducted a controlled release and burn of the five tanks of vinyl chloride into the air. Some small shaped charges were used to breach the tank cars, and the vinyl chloride was allowed to flow into a trench where it was ignited by flares. The burn caused black clouds to form above the area and release phosgene and hydrogen chloride into the air. Though officials reported that air quality readings were not showing anything concerning, residents in nearby Mahoning and Trumbull counties reported a chemical smell in their areas. Officials in the Youngstown region advised residents to stay indoors. Air monitoring conducted on February 7th and 8th revealed an increase in volatile organic compounds or VOCs in the air below the screening level and an increase in particulate matter probably from the soot. On February 8th, state and federal EPA workers noticed oily spillage in the soil and notified Norfolk Southern, which began removing it with a vacuum truck. The evacuation was lifted on February 9th after the EPA reported that the air inside and outside the evacuation zone had returned to normal levels. Although toxicants were detected at the derailment site, they were not detected outside the area. The Ohio EPA also reported that drinking water sourced from different waterways was safe. In a testing report from February 8th, the Ohio EPA showed WKBN-TV that vinyl chloride, benzene, some chlorinated organic compounds, and other VOCs were not detected in the water. Um, Okay, so it's kind of funny. The water would be the thing I would be most concerned about (laughs) drinking because the government does a really bad job of like uh, managing stuff in the water. Uh, I forget the name of the website, but it like shows you what the tests come back for it a lot of uh, water, water right supplies around the country. You can put in your uh, your zip code and they'll be like, hey, the government says this is safe, but they don't test for all of these or they don't have limits on all of these like weird chemicals. And like, <laughs> well, the Navy base near my house poisoned our water. Yes. Well, there's like this, uh, there's like some Teflon material kind of nearby me that, um, it was a Superfund site that did stuff with Teflon and that's like detected, they're detecting it in the water supply. And it's just not something that the government has a limit, a max allowable limit for. So they're like, yeah, it's good. Your water's good. It's safe. That's your government for you. Um, I'm glad I have well water, although that doesn't necessarily totally protect me. But um, yeah. But uh, one of the things I want to say, oh, people are saying like, oh, they explode. They're saying exploding and and burning these things is explicitly not what you're supposed to do. Based on what? I mean, let's think this through. Uh, another thing, I'm, I know I'm bouncing around all over the place, but I got a thousand thoughts on this. So I'm reading this Wikipedia thing and. They could be lying. Like what I read could have just been a bunch of lies. I don't know. But like I'm reading through that and nothing seems goofy. Like if you're saying, if people are saying that the official story is jacked up, well, I didn't read anything that was sideways about that. And going back to the COVID stuff, when we were reading the stuff that the government was saying about COVID, it was just like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make any sense at all. So not that they couldn't have just put together 
a narrative that was just all made sense. But like, if you're saying that like, oh, this is all, all the reporting's garbage and messed up and everything. It's like, well, the reporting I'm reading all seems fine. Um, and everything that I understand about this, it, it kind of makes sense. So to talk about the controlled burns and exploding, you know, making detonating this stuff. And I, I think, I think that was exaggerated that they like caused a massive explosion. This stuff is going to pop off a little bit. It's flammable gases and liquids and stuff and, and nasty things. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's going to be bat nasty and bad looking. Um, but you have a bunch of rail cars with flammable materials and you've got fires nearby and you know, at least one of the cars, the safety relief valve failed on it. So that means if you have a, an overpressure event that the valve is not going to open up and, and relieve pressure. So what could happen is you could be creating much worse bombs than you already have. So there's something called blevy, which is boiling liquid expansion vessel explosion. And, um, what that means, like there's a lot of times there's stuff that's held like, um, like when they're transporting nitrogen, it's those trucks are like, are, are liquid nitrogen because you can fit a lot more, um, a lot more nitrogen when it's in its liquid state than in its gaseous state. That's like water. I think water expands by a factor of like 10,000 or 40,000 as far as volume goes when it changes from liquid to steam. Okay. So if you want to transport a lot of something and it's a gas, you pressurize it so that it, it goes into liquid form and it's, and it's much more dense. So you can, you know, you're, uh, who knows how many, I mean, if it was just for the sake of argument, let's say it's a like nitrogen has an expansion rate of 10,000. So if you wanted to transport, um, gaseous nitrogen, it would take 10,000 trucks yeah. compared to the, to one liquid nitrogen truck. Um, now there's some obvious hazards. That's if you trust the science. Yeah. There's some obvious hazards associated with liquid nitrogen. Um, since it's under pressure, it's going to escape. It's yeah. Hopefully we've all seen Terminator too. And if you haven't, then what's the matter with you? But towards the end of the movie, they crash the liquid nitrogen truck and you see the, the T-1000 freezes up and everything because it's a, it's the auto refrigeration of, of uh, going from a pressure change like that from liquid to gas. It's a refrigeration cycle. So, I mean, that would be really bad if you just got caught in, <laughs> in that uh, nitrogen and, and, you know, it froze you like that. Not to mention that nitrogen gas, um, will kill you extremely quickly. So if you had in the atmosphere, yeah, no, but seriously, like if you, um, if you went into a hundred percent nitrogen atmosphere, your first breath would knock you out and basically you'd be basically dead. So you wouldn't feel it in the time that you would take your second breath. Yeah. Um, so a blevy happens 
when you have a pressurized container of something and the liquid inside of it starts to boil, usually from an external heat source, like a fire, and that causes at that, uh, you know, at, at, at the, uh, the higher pressure that this is in, um, at atmospheric temperature, it's held in a liquid, but when you heat it up, um, then it causes it to maybe go into a gaseous state. And when you do that, the gas wants to expand. And so there's no place for the, uh, for the, the gas to expand to while it's in this vessel. So it's going to, yeah. So it's going to increase in pressure. And so it increases in pressure to the point that the vessel can no longer hold it. And it causes a rupture of the vessel. And so when that vessel ruptures, you have all of that gas escaping and expanding out. You also have the liquid basically instantly going from whatever it's pressurized to, to atmospheric pressure. And this, this liquid is normally at atmospheric conditions, a gas. So it is going to, all of that volume of liquid is going to very, very, very rapidly expand into a gas. And so it is an extremely violent explosion. Um, and then if it's a flammable material, not only is it an explosion, but it's also a huge fireball and, you know, all the stuff to go along with it. So put yourself in the shoes of the people responding to this and you've got a, you know, 20,000 or so gallon. Is that what they were? No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, 26, just under 26,000 gallons of vinyl chloride in a tank, tank car, and the pressure relief valve, you believe, is not going to work. And you have fires going on nearby. (laughs) Like, you can't, you need to do something. And so, breaching the tank cars and, like, burning it in a controlled way seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do to me. Uh, because the alternative is that you have a blevy and that explosion, you know, not only do you just like, it's, it's putting shrapnel, and they mentioned that too. It's like, you're sending shrapnel everywhere. So you're piercing the other tank cars nearby. If they're just not getting ripped open by the, the concussion of the explosion and everything. So just oh, would be, it would look like a nuke before? going off. If you had a blevy there. Um, and then it's like, oh, well, they're burning all this stuff and they're putting it to the atmosphere and that's so dangerous. I've been seeing people sharing this uh, dispersion model, I guess, of the material um, on a map of North America. And it's showing that it's traveling kind of northeast towards Canada and everything. Um which, by the way, if this was an attempt to like murder a bunch of Americans, why would you s- 
like you, they picked a really bad spot for this. Just the way that this was going to disperse. They were invading Canada. Which can be predicted too. I mean, it's, it's a regular thing for doing um, process safety management is you figure out, you know, you, you model, do dispersion models and figure out how this is going to, you know, the likelihood of how this is going to go through the atmosphere and everything. And so these dispersion, you know, maps that people are showing, it's showing, it's, oh, it's expanding, it's, it's covered all this area and everything. But it's like, okay, yeah, that material is getting released to the atmosphere, especially as it burns off, it's burning off all sorts of weird, goofy stuff. But like, it's dispersing, as in, like, it's not, not a lot like as as this material you might have a very dense um area of material that's in the air but as it goes into the atmosphere and it, and it travels further and further away like you're not going to even be able to detect it let alone like have it cause you any harm it's like if you're burning if you have a bonfire in your yard and you're burning stuff and you put some like a wet log on it or some leaves and you get all the smoke and everything and it's and the and the smoke is really heavy there. And if you're standing over that fire, it's probably gonna choke you. But maybe ten feet away, you know, the smoke doesn't look so thick, and then a hundred feet away, you don't even see the smoke anymore. And if you were in the path of that smoke a hundred feet away, like you might be able to smell it a little bit, but it's not gonna like burn your lungs and choke you out. So is it good to send all this stuff into the atmosphere? Obviously no, but I mean, is it going to cause like uh, catastrophic, you know, issues or anything to, to these people that are, you know, further away than just like right next to this scene? Probably not. And I, I was reading something else in the, um, in the health and environmental concerns section of this thing, uh, Neil Donahue, a chemistry professor at Carnegie Mellon University, expressed concern about potential production of dioxins during the burning of vinyl chloride, while Lynn Goldman, dean of the Milken Institute School of Public Health, worried more about residual vinyl chloride. Gaseous pollutants dissipate quickly in the air, but dioxins are persistent. So you have like... I mean, you could say, well, those professors were in on it. Maybe. But, like, you just have, like, anyone that's, like, studies this stuff, a, a scientist, like, they're all worried about the stuff that's, like, left there in the scene and probably, like, going into the water. Like, they're not concerned about what's going into the air. And, you know, these are probably not like Neil Donahue and Lynn Goldman are probably not like Trump supporters or something. So, you know, and they're probably more, let me click on the, I can click their names. Uh, Environmentalist people. Right. And so you would think these people would be like, you know, if anyone's going to freak out about stuff going in the air, it'd be, oh, you know, disaster. these types of people. But they're like, yeah, I'm not really concerned about that. And maybe, maybe that's a bad argument I'm making right there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of basic, you know, physics that when you put something in the air and blow it around, it's, <laughs> it dissipates. Yeah. 
so like showing this chart of the dispersion model of where this is all going to go, you know, and you're freaking out about that, it kind of shows you don't really know what you're talking about. Um, Which is probably true. Yeah. The other thing I want to point out is that everyone's like acting like, oh, this, this train derailment. So convenient. Well, it's like train derailments happen all the time. (laughs) Yeah, they'll start hearing about them more often, though. Like, they'll be reported more. Well, it was like uh, on the Wikipedia page, you like, you can click around, like, list of train rail accidents. January 28th in Keechee, Louisiana, train derailed and spilled more than 10,000 gallons of acid products, leading to the evacuation part of the town. 16. Cars total derailed with two of the 16 leaking the chemicals. Officials reported 10,000 gallons of acetic anhydride and less than 1,000 gallons of propionic acid were spilled. And then you like scroll through this and you see, oh, there's a bunch of stuff. Remember a couple years ago, there was the the crude train and I think it was Quebec derailed and caused like a massive fire and everything. And then you just like scroll through. There's a lot of passenger train accidents too. And you scroll through and it's like, oh, well, this stuff kind of happens. Um, so you're like, oh, well, they're just having good cover for the event. It's like, uh, maybe, but like this idea, like it's, it's, it was like those, um, the, uh, the, what's it called? The, um, like the food plants. Yeah. And warehouses. It's like, how often do they have fires? I don't know. Is it yeah, like- it's like people were like finding all these reports of like, oh, this food warehouse caught on fire, and like, oh, they're they're getting rid of the food, and they're you know they're this is this is on purpose. It's controlled, and it's like, well, okay, and it's like, oh, and people keep pointing out these um, examples of it, and it's like, look at how many there are. I'm like, okay, let me be the the um, cold economist, cold-hearted economist, it's like, all right, well, compared to what? How often do these things happen? And so just because you didn't notice it before doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Like, I think people would probably be, if they went through these lists of all these train derailments, and including a lot of these passenger train ones, a lot of these are lethal, (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's not a hundred people dying, but a lot of these are like a couple people are dying in these, in these, in these rail accidents. So, um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't want to get in a train crash. Yeah. So it, it's not like this is just like totally unheard of or, or out of the ordinary. The other thing is it's like, um, Oh, the the media is not reporting it. And, but then they're like, oh, it's also, they're trying to distract us with the, uh, with the UFOs and stuff and other things going on. What's going on with that? I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even have interest in that. I'm not even like missing that. No, I, I would rather stick needles in my eyes than. Joe Biden talking about UFOs has got to be. Yeah, I just don't. 
care. Um, I guess that point, I was thinking of something else. The, never mind. I, I take that back about they're not reporting on and they're trying to distract us. In my head, I was thinking that this train thing was a distraction from something else. So that, never mind. Forget that part of what I just said because that didn't make any sense. Well, but um, but yeah, I think it's like, I think the same thing. It's like, all right, well, how often do these rail accidents happen? How often do derailments happen? It's not like out of the ordinary that a truck on a rail car fails and causes causes a significant accident or something. So like, and that's what, and that's what I was saying earlier about like the, the pivoting with people talking about jet fuel melting steel beams that when you like point out that it doesn't make sense what they're saying, they'll pivot into something else. So they'll be like, Oh, it was, look at this train accident happened out of nowhere. And then you go, well, I mean, train derailments and accidents happen all the time. They so, and they go, Oh, well, yeah. So it's the perfect cover. Because they happen all the time. It's like, well, what is it? <laughs> so, like, you don't have you don't have much of a coherent argument if you're just like flipping everything around to just make it fit whatever your narrative is. Mm-hmm. So, I think there were some other points about this I wanted to talk about, but I forget all of it. There's a lot. We're already an hour in, but I guess the point of all this is that like. You know, I might not have covered every single thing and someone might come back and say, oh, well, you missed this or got this wrong or, all right, that's fine. Like, I'm not claiming to know. Or like you said, this might have all been like saddled down and nobody cares about anymore. And everyone's like, yeah, we were all wrong for saying that. Yeah. The point of this was not to just be like, all right, what are the exact facts of what happened? It's to be like, all right, I know a little bit about this kind of stuff. Let me just go through what these people are claiming happened and see if it makes sense. And also let me just give my input on like what makes sense of, of, of in, if you're in this situation, what you would do. I, I know I talked a lot here and, and, and said a lot of stuff. Was there anything that like I said that was like, didn't make sense or seems like, Oh, I don't know about that. Rollo. That seems like a, you're kind of stretching that one. I mean, to me, no, but Um, again, like you don't don't have to believe like, like I don't believe anything that is reported. Right. Neither do I. I mean, for all I know, a train didn't even derail. (laughs) (laughs) I know. uh, No, I do believe a train derailed. Um, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I would certainly, if it happened in my backyard, be a little uncomfortable. Sure. Uh, regardless of what it was, I even before I even knew it was whatever chemicals, it's like, oh, wow, that's a big cloud up there. Uh, I want to get out of here. Um, oh, yeah. And, and let me just reiterate that. I'm not saying that like, oh, this isn't a big deal or no, you should like, yeah, if yeah. this happened in my backyard, I'd be upset and nervous and concerned. But- also, what you said, you were like, you know, air, like like your car is spitting carbon monoxide out of it and it goes into the – and then it mixes up and I guess it turns into carbon dioxide or whatever. It mixes with the oxygen. Like like we're spraying carbon monoxide all over the place on, out of all these cars all the time and we're not dying. 
Right. Um, and so that's kind of like your heater you know, in your house is doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, it's, it's like, all right, it's not a good thing that this, but I don't think it's the end of humanity or there. Well, and, you know, and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe everyone in Ohio is going to be dead in half of Pennsylvania. Luckily I'm on the East side. So, yeah. you know, it's not going to hit me. Um, but that's kind of what I wanted to say. One of the points I want to make is like, all right, given that this happened, did they act reasonably? Yeah. And based on my understanding of what went down, yes, they did. Beca- I mean, I mean and I too, just know. like this hasn't even been talked about it. I mean, obviously it's not directly, you know, my industry. Um, although when there was like refining and chemical plant accidents that happen, like it usually gets brought up at work and it's talked about. Um, but like if there was if this went down in a really bizarre way that was not according to protocols, I feel like this would have got brought up. People would have been talking about it at work, being like, Did you hear that's kind of goofy what's going on there? Yeah. Um but also just as a as kind of as a final closing point, there's a lot of stuff out there that is technical and you're not necessarily going to have any expertise on it. And that's fine. Like there's just so much stuff out there that I don't know anything about. So I can't. So when something goes down and they're saying like, Oh, we did this and this and this in my ignorance, you know, I might just be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why? That doesn't make sense to me. Just because it doesn't make sense to me doesn't mean someone did something wrong or stupid. I just don't have the knowledge to understand why it actually happened at work recently where there's an issue that I was prepared to, you know, I was recommending that we repair it and saying like, this is a big issue and it has these significant hazards associated, blah, 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 blah. And everyone's all right. They're preparing to, to do the work to fix it. And then, they engaged a corporate engineer who has more expertise in this stuff than I do. And they came back and said, yeah, actually, no, you're fine. You don't need to do anything. And when I was told that I was like, okay, like I, this person is much more qualified on this stuff than I am, but it doesn't make sense to me that it's okay. And so I asked a bunch of questions and the corporate engineer answered. I told you to stop asking questions. And do yeah. It. I said, shut up and just listen. Yeah. I said, okay. And I ate my soylent, soylent green and moved on with my day. No, like I asked a bunch of questions and the corporate engineer answered them. And it made, and then it finally made sense to me. I was like, oh, okay. So just because something doesn't make sense when you first look at something doesn't mean that you just stop there. Um, and again, it, uh, and also it doesn't mean that you just like blindly trust the expert, like push, well, that's like what try we to get an- try to get answers. And, and if it doesn't make sense, maybe you just still don't know. You don't you just don't have the, the background knowledge to be able to make sense of stuff, which is fine. But that's like something that, you know, you have to be humble enough to figure out for yourself. I can't sit there and tell any given person if 
you know, they have enough information. It, 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 it's, it's like with Bitcoin. It's like, because someone was texting me today, a mutual friend's dad was texting me today asking about Bitcoin and running a note and everything. And I was giving them answers and I was kind of thinking about it and being like, well, he might come back and say like, well, I don't understand why you're telling me I have to run a node and have to do it on a separate laptop or, you know, a Raspberry Pi or something. And my response to him would have been like, well, because you don't know anything about this. You kind of just have to trust me. The alternative is, is to go learn. (laughs) Like there's no shortcut around it. And it's the same thing with this kind of stuff. Like, go gain the knowledge so that you don't have to rely on other people or just have sources and people that you can trust to give you stuff that you don't understand. And also just develop decent heuristics so you can sort through stuff. But I don't think the solution is to just freak out and claim everything is a state-sponsored terrorist attack on Eastern and and Eastern Ohio, the border of, of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Those people are causing problems. Yeah. So, all right. I think we've, uh, we've gone enough. Um, anything, any closing thoughts, Slappy? Uh, I got nothing. Yep. So, all right. That's all I got. Uh, thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Peace.